You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to another episode of Crime of the Mitten. We're your hosts, Shelby and Alia. What better way to gush about crimes without raising eyebrows than to start a podcast on crimes committed in our home state, Michigan? From mysterious missing cases to gruesome murders that left police struggling to stay on the scene, we're giving you the complete insight on what's going on in our mitten state. If you need to satisfy your hunger for true crime cases as much as we do, tune in every Sunday for your weekly dose of mitten crimes. Because this episode is about the killings of young children, this may not be suitable for everyone. Listener and reader discretion is advised. Hey, true crime lovers, and Happy New Year's. It's Shelby, and I have a story today to tell you that you won't believe happened, but it did. This is the first case of the year, so we're diving in headfirst into some serious true crime. So let's get it. Living in this crazy world, school shootings have sadly became a problem we have to face on a more frequent basis. Many remember the Virginia Tech shooting that took place April 16, 2007, where a 23-year-old student opened fire in a dorm and academic building across the street. Did I ever send you the Hi Ho Kids video? I don't think so. Okay, so I, you have to watch it. You have to watch Hi Ho Kids, period. Yeah. But it's a series on YouTube where they have different kids basically working on a TV, not really a TV show, a YouTube mm-hmm. show. So one of the the little segments they have is Hi Ho Meets. Right. And the kids meet people that were in different situations. So they've met a blind person. They've met a, a, a UPS driver. And they also met a, um, a school shooting survivor. Right. And she was in Virginia Tech. Oh, really? And she was shot. Wow. But she was one of, she was, I think she was the only person in her class that was shot and lived. And that survived it. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I, you got to send me a link to that too, and then we can also post the link to that yeah, on um in our social media yeah. in our podcast. But one of the little girls, or she wasn't a little girl; she was maybe fifteen. And the lady asked, "Like, so does your school have like drills? What do your school do about this stuff?" She was like, um, "All they told us to do was if a shooter come into school, throw our school supplies." Wow. Yeah. So that's like their only. Way like yeah, but in, the only way of protecting yeah, themselves. It's really hard to supplies. even find ways to even like because like, it's, it's crazy that this is even something you have to consider like that we have to plan for. Like you have to be right. like have weapons that can be taken to school that in case something like this happens. That's crazy. Like I can't. I don't like school, the world like we that. Have to throw. Yeah, that's I have true. My laptop in a purse. <laughs> I'm not throwing my laptop now. Like, <laughs> Okay, but 32 people were killed and 23 injured before he turned the gun on himself. This shook the nation, but five years later, another big shooting takes place, and this time, children were the targets. We all remember the tragedy of Sandy Hook Elementary. A gunman killed 27 people, 20 of them children. The country mourned the loss of the children and administration killed in this evil act. On February 14, 2018, a gunman opened fire on the campus of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas and killed 17 people. 13 were students and three were administrators. The survivors of this actually started a national campaign to push for stricter gun laws. Then there was the Santa Fe High School shooting that took place 
May 18, 2018, where a 17-year-old gunman who wrote about his plans to shoot up the school and then turn a gun on himself killed eight students and two administrators before actually surrendering, to, surrendering himself to authorities. And it's even more crazy because did you know that the first school massacre not only took place in Michigan on May 18th back in 1927, but still to this day is one of the worst massacres to take place. Virginia Tech had a total of 56 victims, but what if I tell you the massacre we're going to talk about today had a total of 103 victims? The massacre I'm talking about is the Bath School Disaster, where a, name by the name, by a, where a man by the name of Andrew Kehoe blew up the north wing of the local school where over 300 students attended. Bath School was a school that taught grades K-12. through The point of the school being built was to put an end to scattered schoolhouses. Andrew was born on February 1st, 1872 in Tecumseh, Michigan. And I don't know if I'm saying this, like, you know, this right, Tecumseh, <laughs> so bear through it with right. me. Um, he was born into a family of 13. When his mom died, his dad remarried and Andrew hated his new stepmom. It was said that they constantly stayed into it, going back and forth. Later in his life, there was a quote-unquote malfunction with the stove, and it blew up, setting his stepmother on fire. He watched for a few seconds before actually throwing water on her. That's messed up. It is. Like, they said he sat there and just, like, he just watched, like... It's, they didn't know then, like, all right, he's going to be a problem. Yeah, like... Like you know, you it kind of you kind of like that's that's a red flag. Like why why are you? You didn't. It's not like he had a reaction to it. Um, I think his dad was at work or like on the farm at the time. He wasn't. It was no one around, so that's why they never were able to like come to an agreement on like what happened. And malfunctions were never figured out, so no legal actions were taken. And his stepmom actually died from her injuries a little after. Andrew's life moves on, and he attends Tecumseh High School, and later he attended Michigan State College, which we all know as Michigan State University now. After college, he moved to St. Louis and, in 1911, had a fall which caused him to be in a coma for about two months. Some said after this incident, it made him more erratic, and later on, so many tried to use this as a reason as to why he did what he did. A year later, he meets his wife, Nellie, and they buy a 185-acre farm from Nellie's aunt for $12,000. Something that kind of threw me was the fact that some of the surviving students said that Andrew was actually a pleasant man, and it was just known that he hated the school board. So he was cool. With, like They thought that he was like pretty friendly in the neighborhood, but it was just like we everyone openly knew he did not. Yeah, he didn't like the school board. Why? For many reasons. <laughs> so... He didn't like the school board, but he especially didn't like the superintendent who Andrew strongly believed was the one persuading the board to vote for higher taxes. So he was upset. Yeah. So he kind of took it out on the whole board because he was like, everybody's pretty much against me. Like, I'm the only one that's fighting for lower taxes and stuff, and everybody wants to raise them. So (laughs) when the board would have to make decisions, Andrew was normally the difficult one. Voting for the opposing choice when everyone would come to an agreement on something else. He also tried to make extreme budget cuts on on necessities for the school just to be able to keep him from spending any more money. So, like, we don't really need paper towel. (laughs) Stuff like that. Yeah, no, he's like, they they can, like, shake it dry. Like, like, he was trying to find anything in a book. They wipe their hands on their clothes anyway. Yeah. 
He was definitely described as a frugal man. Others would say that he was an impatient man when others didn't agree with what he wanted. He dressed pretty well and always made sure that he was neat and clean. His neighbor stated that he was pretty bad at farming, but really good at tinkering with machines and that he actually preferred to do that instead. So he would spend all this time, like, instead of actually farming, he would be building a machine to make farming. He'd be building a machine to make farming easier instead of just doing the farm, like taking that energy he's putting into uh, building. Building Yeah. Yeah. So you see where you see where his intentions were. (laughs) It was also said that he shot his neighbor's dog because it was on his farm barking and that he also beat his own horse to death because it wasn't working efficiently. So it was definitely known that he had a mean streak to him, but people never thought that he could do the heinous thing that he did. So So, the rest of the neighborhood, did they just not know about his stepmom? I don't think so. Okay. Because you know what? If it's the setting of like... like rack all of these things up, it's like, okay, this man has a problem. Yeah, it is. But I think... I don't... I really... It didn't say much of like... But I'm kind of guessing like in the sense of like they um, live in like farms and like, you know, they kind of live like in a farm like Mm -hmm. environment. It's kind of like a long stretch to the neighbor. So... I don't know. A lot of stuff probably, you know, got swept under the rug. Like, and then plus if the dad had like a suspicion that he was doing something... Like, you know, that maybe my son is a little messed up in the head. I keep that to myself. <laughs> yeah, I probably wouldn't go telling the neighbors. Yeah, I'm not telling old neighbor, my neighbor, uh, my ro- uh, nosy neighbor Rosie. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> you see, I was in a, t- a tongue twister. Okay. But so many people wanted answers on what can lead a person into doing such a thing. Andrew had a lot going on, and I'm definitely not trying to make any excuses for this guy. Some of the things that could have triggered Andrew, though, into doing this massacre were that local property taxes just went up to fund the building of the Bath School. So that's why he always protested at the school board meetings like this needs to be lowered because mm-hmm. but it was going towards a good thing. It was like. Yeah, it was building a school. So Andrew was known that it was known that Andrew was livid about this and constantly fought them to have them decreased. And he also made crazy decisions to save money, like cleaning back on cleaning products as well. Because schools don't need cleaning products. Skip flu That's season. the last place that needs cleaning products. <laughs> Forget about flu season. Insert sarcasm. It's always flu season. <laughs> it is always flu, flu season. It's always hand, foot, and mouth season. It's always cold season. Especially it's always that school. Like, it's yeah. So that like that's when I was talking about like he was making like drastic cuts, like trying to get these crazy decisions to go by. Like no, these people need these things. So he had also lost in an election to be the township clerk, which was a position he had held the year prior due to the death of the township clerk at the time. So once that guy died, the uh, township clerk mm-hmm. died, they asked him to step in. So he thought like, hey, I'm already in. Y'all must like me. I'll can, I can win an election on my own. Right. And it was kind of like, nah, dog. That ain't how it works. Nah, nah, pimping. You, <laughs> this ain't for you. <laughs> and finally, Andrew was facing foreclosure on the farm. He had a lot going on at the time. Don't get me wrong, but he just handled it so wrong. Andrew was this very skilled electrician, and the school hired him to do some wiring throughout the school. They believed that this gave him the opportunity to set up dynamite in the school basement. He did so good wiring the dynamite in the basement that fire marshals and other authorities found it hard to believe that he did this all alone. Neighbors also claimed that they saw Andrew wiring the fence to his house and that he worked hard on it for at least 10 days. 
And that's like that's serious dedication. Like you're that's working. Dedication. Yeah, you're working. working. It's hard to destroy people. Yeah, like and no, this is he was working hard on his own farm. Right, going to work on like his own. Th- like this is this wasn't even the school at the time. This was like he really spent ten days making sure that he wired this farm perfectly. There was even a record of Andrew buying dynamite back in the fall of 1926, just a, about a year before the massacre. It didn't really raise any red flags because farmers often used dynamite on their farm to get rid of things like tree stumps. So they didn't think yeah, nothing I was of it. Ask, but I guess that makes sense. Yeah, they didn't think nothing of it. So it was like it was like a common buy. And then I think it was they mentioned something like he used to get it like get like an army surplus of it. Like <laughs> yeah, so that's a little concerning. That raised, that's concerning. You see. <laughs> I didn't see how many, I didn't count how many trees he had on his farm, Leah, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't think that, I think that, I think that's, I think that's excessive, that, but you know what? That could have been like a Costco thing, like a Sam's club back then. Like, I don't know. Like, that, yeah, that's a lot. Like that should have been monitored. After you buy that one, that one lump sum, you shouldn't be able to buy anything for the rest. For yeah. No, like they should be like, all right, like take they your picture. Yeah, they should. Like you, what do you need this for? But then, you know, this is back in 1927. So they're not really, you know, they don't, they don't have the intention. Like, you know how now when we go in, we like, Ooh, like that situation might be, he's trying to like, we know he's up to something. They didn't think like that back then. Cause they didn't think like anybody would do something like that. Andrew's wife, Nellie, had been in and out of the hospital dealing with tuberculosis when she returned from the hospital on May 16th. Andrew killed her by a blunt force blow to the head. Although investigators could only estimate her time of death because she had a two-day span from being released from the hospital to the explosion. He then put her into a wheelbarrow and rolled her into the back of the chicken coop. He then tied up the legs of the remaining living horses so that they couldn't escape the explosion. He also put up a sign on his fence that stated, Criminals are not born, they are made. This sign, yeah. Which So what made him that way? Yeah, because he was like that from a child watching his mom, his stepmom on fire. Yeah, so it was like you were you well, made then? Like did that make him? But then you know what? That kind of actually in a sense, like, I just thought about it, because think about it, yeah, that could have been, like, a stressor it. for him, and then, like, the fire with her, because think about it, what he did, like, dealt with fire, so, I don't know, it, it yeah. might be something there, but I don't know if he was trying to, who knows? This sign was one of the only remaining things on Andrew's farm. Early morning on May 18th, he blows up the farm with the rig wires. Neighbors rushed to the farm to try to help, but Andrew was already in his truck and on his way to bath school to watch his plan play out. While he was driving away from the house, he stopped at three boys who were headed to the farm to help and told them they better get they better get down to the school with a grin painted on his face. As in like, nah, this hurry, ain't it. This, hurry up. I got something. I got plans. You like, no, nah, like I got something else cooking out. Like, you know, like, and that's, that's really messed up. Yeah. And the fact that he was smiling about it. Now, at the same time as the explosion on the farm, Andrew set up an alarm for 8.45 a.m. to detonate the dynamite at the school. When the dynamite went off, the north wing of the school blew up, where a lot of the younger kids were located. Authorities believe that due to the large amount of dynamite, that Andrew was planning on blowing up the entire school, but half didn't go off. So he, like, he was trying to wait for all the late kids to get there, too. Pretty much. 8.45. He 8:45. had to make sure everybody was in. Was in the school and, and in, like, 
in a classroom or something like right, like settled for the morning yeah he like he had everything planned out yeah so it was like this is planned out even all the way down to the fact that like you know like okay 845 is like that's when like the struggle because that is like around the time like if school starts at 830 things aren't really getting going until like 850 because you still have to keep that time in for like the kids that come in late or the kids like me like who had to stop and get breakfast (laughs) (laughs) like so he really took all this into account when he did this so a first grade teacher recall seeing the bodies of her students flying all over the classroom. She was in such shock over what was happening at the time, she wasn't able to pull herself together until emergency responders arrived. Parts of the building flew everywhere, and that's how many bystanders were injured and killed. Kids jumped out the first floor window and ran to the fields to avoid being hit by the flying pieces coming down at them. That's terrifying. Yeah, it is. It's like a, that's a, as a kid too, like that's, you seeing all this stuff going on like around yeah, you? First graders, they can't even run straight. So like, yeah, what are, yeah, terrifying. It is. It's very, and it's like even if you are running straight, you're not guaranteed that something's going to miss you. Like things are just falling down everywhere, and like if you look at it, I actually have a picture of first graders are still tripping and falling when they run. Oh gosh, first graders aren't even putting their shoes on right for the most part. We're still working on that one. <laughs> but if you look, I have a picture of uh, the bath school, and it's a pretty big school. Yeah, it's a big school. And then on the picture under it oh, that's terrible. is uh, the north is the picture of the school um, with the north wing blown up. And you can see how, like, the roof caved in. But so with the, with that first explosion, the, like, everything is up in the air. Just imagine all that debris that's in the air. Okay. Like, yeah, and that's brick and, and all kinds of different things and stuff. Like, it's a lot of it is. It's a lot. So she wasn't able. So she was in such a shock. The first grade teacher was in such shock over what was happening at the time that she wasn't able to pull herself together until the emergency uh, the responders came. Mm-hmm. And so with kids jumping out of the um, building, like the first floor window, uh, a lot of people just got injured just and by jumping. yeah by jumping alone and just the things that were just flying down at them. The explosion was heard from miles away, and when people heard the explosion go off in the direction of the school, they left Andrew's farm to assist at the school instead. One bystander recalls five to six kids trapped under the roof. You could only see their body parts hanging from under the rubble, so like their arm, their leg, a head here and there. The faces were unrecognizable due to dust, plaster, and blood covering the bits of their body visible. Cars parked on the street were on fire due to the explosion as well. Mothers cried and dropped to their knees and prayed as the chaos took place. The school lawn became a temporary morgue. The children's bodies were laid on the lawn and covered with a sheet as they were brought from the school. And parents walked by removing the sheet trying to identify their child, which I can only imagine being those parents' worst nightmare. It was the last day of school for these kids. Parents didn't expect their children to be harmed while at school. You wouldn't think that that's a, you would think that that's the one place a child f- should feel safe. And for so many children, school is the only safe place for them. Because of how many victims, there were ambulances from as far as Lansing that came to help. But as if this wasn't enough, Liam, he arrives at the school in his pickup truck, the back filled with dynamite and metal shards. Somehow, Andrew and the superintendent gets into an argument. They begin to fight over a rifle until finally Andrew fires it at the truck, causing a second explosion. You guys, he was just, it's 
So was it his plan to kill himself? It was it was said that he intentionally put that in there and like he wanted to go I think that was his way of like killing himself too because he wanted he wanted to see what right. happened at the school and then it was just like, All right. Did what I had to do. Now I'm done. So you guys, this explosion not only killed Andrew and a superintendent, but also two adult bystanders. This third explosion also killed an eight year old boy by the name of Cleo Clayton. He had just survived the second explosion at the school and he was actually was trying to get away from the scene. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Said so he got he missed one to get struck by yep, another one. Yep, get struck by another one. So when the third um explosion occurred, a metal shard went straight into his stomach, killing him instantly. A survivor recalls seeing Andrew's body hanging on the wire, too, just hanging there dead. It took the community until 6 that evening to get all of the bodies out, and everyone moved with extreme caution, fearing that there would be more explosives ready to go off at any moment. Now, prior to this attack, many people noticed some strange behavior from Andrew, but many thought nothing of it. That's why if it's like, if they're being weird, you got to say something. Like, you, I don't put nothing past anybody now. So his neighbors from his neighbor from across the street, whose name was David Hart, believed that Andrew had been working on his plan for months now. He was the one who claimed to see Andrew working hard on his on wiring his fences for about ten days. He also noted that Andrew had stopped farming for months, and I don't know how he was all up in his business, but he also knew that he was falling behind in bills. How how would he even know that? I don't know. Whether notices, he might have seen like. Or you just see like, hey, that man ain't go to, haven't been to work in like in, in months. I know he's not paying bills. I don't know. But another person who said Andrew displayed some weird behavior was a first grade teacher by the name of Bernice Sterling. She had asked prior to the explosion to use Andrew's woods for a picnic for her class. Andrew responded that if she was going to have a picnic, she better do it right away, which should have raised red flags in her head instantly. Because that's not a normal response you get when you ask someone something like that. When the smoke cleared on the farm, authorities searched the ruins and found the body of his wife charred to a crisp. Her body was so unrecognizable that police passed over her so many times before actually discovering her. Around the body were items like the safe, some paperwork, and jewelry. Authorities assumed that he must have killed his wife so that she wouldn't ruin his plans. But for some reason, I kind of felt like he was just putting an end to everything. I mean, a man tied up the legs of his horses prior to the explosion. That's pretty final. When authorities looked over all the equipment on the farm, if Andrew would have sold all of that, he would have had enough to save his farm. Yeah, he was building everything to make he farming was, easier. So he could have just sure sold these inventions. Expensive. Yeah. And if he didn't tinker so much, like do what you were supposed to do. So at the school, authorities found a gasoline container fitted in a gap between the dynamite. So expansion of gas would force through the vapor and, well, through the tube to spark the gap. The fire, uh, the fire department suspected that this was his backup plan in case the dynamite didn't work. Andrew's body was claimed by his sister and he was buried in Clinton County Cemetery in an unmarked grave. The school board went under serious investigation for about a week before it was concluded that Andrew acted alone in this. School massacres didn't occur like this back in this time, and many people tried to find a reason to why Andrew would even do something like this. They wanted so bad to blame things on his mental health. They called him names such as insane, demented, and a madman, and that the head injury I mentioned earlier was the blame. Which he actually got that injury while he was at, um, at school to be an electrician. Ironic. Right. Yeah. 
So, but it was concluded that he was rational enough to commit the crime. I mean, the fact that he spent months planning this and setting things up is proof enough that he, that this man knew what he was doing. Most of the children killed in the disaster were buried in Pleasantville Cemetery in Bath. The time after the disaster, about 50,000 people traveled through the town just to get a glimpse at something they thought probably would never happen. The attention quickly ended due, uh, ended though, due to Charles Lindbergh's nonstop flight that took place not too long after this. Some say that this happened for the best, though, because the town as a whole needed to grieve. For the most part, just about each household had a child that attended Bath School because it was the first schoolhouse for grades K-12. through Like I said, about 300 students attended the school from areas around Bath as well. The school was demolished, but a new one was opened up after the governor gave a nice donation of $75,000, the school is the school was called James Cousins Agriculture School, but it was torn down in 1975 and a commemorative park was created in its place where the focus of the park is a piece of the original school that was still remaining. One of the oldest survivors of the disaster by the name of Irene said that she stayed home that day from school because she had a sore throat. When the explosion at the school happened, she could hear it from her farm. Her and her mother jumped in their car and headed straight to the school. She had eight younger siblings who also attended school there. And just because she stayed home with a sore throat didn't mean her siblings stayed home with her. One of her brother's fingers was cut off in the explosion. And her sisters were some of the kids that jumped out of the first floor window to escape the explosion. Irene was... family was just all around lucky that day. Yeah, like the fact that they, like, there were no... to escape alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then the fact that, like, that day she didn't go to school. And depending on, like, where the grades were, because, like, how it was going, like, a lot of classes from what I read, a lot of classes were moved around because they were doing, like, a test on that day. So, like, you had, like, normally it would just be, like, only younger kids on that end, like, on the North Wing. But they had moved, like, fifth graders over there, too, so that they could take their tests in and stuff in that area. So you had, like, different age ranges. Yeah, you had more, like, a variety of age ranges that day. So... She was also the one, Irene was the one who seen um, Andrew's body hanging on the wire after he, after he killed himself. So that's like something she said was just stuck in her head like forever. forever. Another survivor by the name of George Baird went to Andrew um, Andrew's house earlier to take him his tuition. And he said that when he gave Andrew the money that he didn't want to make eye contact with George. Like he just avoided eye contact the whole time. And it was, like, really awkward. Like, he just, like, kind of took the money and closed the door on him and stuff. And remind you, I told you, everyone, like, the kids at least said that this was, like, a pleasant man. Like, he, he would speak nice to, to them that. and stuff. Like, even Irene would say, like, it'd be times where, like, they'd be driving by. He'll stop and, like, ask how they were doing and stuff like that. So it wasn't like he was, like, a standoff guy towards, towards them. them. Yeah. So George didn't go to school that day because he had such good grades that the school said he didn't need to take the test that many of the other grades were taking that day. Lucky. Right. Yeah, remember they used to have something set up like that for us where, like, if you got all A's, you didn't have to take your final or something. We took those finals. Yeah. (laughs) He was out in the fields farming when he heard the explosion at the school. He jumped in his pickup truck immediately and headed to where the explosion took place. Once on the scene, George tried to help the best he could. He drove two girls with facial injuries from the explosion to the hospital. He remembers seeing unlit dynamite in the back of the police car as they removed it from the basement. George and other kids around that time grew up believing that the name Kehoe equaled evil. Till this day, this is still one of the worst school massacres to take place in the country. 
We lost so many lives that day because a man wanted lower property taxes or whatever reason he convinced himself to justify his actions. Okay, blow up the school if you want, but you want to leave people's lives out of it. Like, especially children. Get rid of school while there's nobody there. Why? It, it was at 845 in the morning. It was the last day of school. You, yeah, you, the whole summer. The whole summer. And then if he was at the school at night. Why didn't he just quit? That tr- That too. I didn't think about that. Why didn't he just quit? <laughs> like, it's, you know, like, if that's the definition, like, you know, like, no, just quit. You're right. That's just leave. Full commitment. Like, he needed everything taken care of that day for what? Right. So I hate to think about how many lives would have been lost if all of the dynamite went off in a school. About one-fourth of the children in the town were killed. And there were about 900 pounds of dynamite in the basement. And only oh, half and of only that went off. Went yeah, off. and only half of that went off. And you see, like, the damage that did. So we can only imagine. So many scorned the fact that he did that while the children were in school and I'm right along with them. It was the last day of school. And if you're really going to, like, I can't go, I keep going back to that. If It was just the last day you could have waited the, like waited. you didn't have to blow the school up to be honest because if property Wait. taxes were going up to build the school don't you think after the school got blew up that they weren't going to try to rebuild another school <laughs> like, come on it doesn't it doesn't make sense like you didn't think this through like this is like a and i can't even say like you know like a, in the moment because he spent months planning it so i'm like i can't figure out his thought process but it makes my head hurt because this just plain out this man was really sick children are the most Instead of building all of these machines, he could have just worked the farm by hand and still had enough money to quit his job at the school. Yeah, that's that. He didn't have to. He he didn't have to be involved. And like they said, he had like if he would have sold the stuff, he would have he, he wouldn't have been in money. debt at all. Like, so it's just like I don't know. It could have been more that was going on in his head. I don't know. Like maybe he was just. That fire when his when his stepmom was on fire that really messed him up or something I don't know, but children are the most innocent beings and you need to leave them out of your bullshit. Honestly. Hmm. Oh, okay. So now that Shelby's done with her case, we decided to try something new. So we have a book called Three Thousand Questions About Me," which is very difficult. It is. I don't know why she even picked this book. <laughs> you could have just Googled some questions. <laughs> nope, I found the book. So basically what we're going to do is every week we're going to use a number generator to from 1 to 3,000 to pick out a question. And both me and Shelby have to answer the question. You so, ready? Okay. Yeah, so Shelby has the question. This yeah, week. I did the question this time. So my question is, in your life, well... Because, like, no, if you really look at these questions, though, they were really, like, they make you really think deep, though. So I had to think, like, I had to pick a good one. I was like, I didn't want to pick a joking one or anything like that. Like, it had to be a good one. But it says, um, are you, do you, are you where you think you would be at in life? Like, is your life how you thought it would be right now? Didn't think I would have a podcast. (laughs) Um... I kind of wish I was further ahead with crafting. I closed my Etsy shop, but I do want to reopen. Honestly, I think that's about it. So I'm pretty okay, but I definitely thought I would be more into crafting and I didn't even consider having a podcast. Mm -hmm. 
I don't think I considered having a podcast either. I didn't even know what a podcast was. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Um, you know what? Honestly, I don't think my my life is literally not where I thought it would be at. I think I thought I'd be getting ready to go to law school, getting like applying for law school soon, which yeah. is crazy. Like me in law school, I'm <laughs> like the silliest person ever. Can you imagine me in suits and stuff all serious? <laughs> But, like, I didn't think, I don't know. And then I didn't think that I would actually be working with kids. Like, I think, like, a lot of career-wise, I like, I didn't, I didn't feel like I would. I myself working with kids. How much longer it's going to last, I don't really know. Yeah, but. you know, I, I, I'm kind of feeling tired. I don't know. I'm not going to want to, I don't think I'm going to have kids of my own. Mess some people kids. I didn't potty train, like, 20 kids already. Kids. And I was like, so what am I going to do when it's time for me to potty train my own kid? I'm going to, like... All right, go over there with your cousin or something like. I'm like, I don't feel like doing this. Like, no, one parent I didn't put my like, time in. One parent said you're slacking. He's two and he's not potty trained yet. I'm like, well, he's your, your child's difficult. I don't know what you want me. To, I've tried. I, I don't know what I'm supposed I can't to do. do this like, <laughs> but I, that wise, yeah, but you know what? I didn't think that I would have like, I'd be living on my own. I'm like really like. I mean, I knew I was like an independent person, but mm-hmm. like. I didn't think that like you I would move actually in that apartment to be alone. Yeah, and so it was like now like I'm like I'm like an end of like I be I'm like I take care of like I, I can take care cat. of myself. Yeah, I have a cat. I have a boyfriend too, but you know me and my cat we was <laughs> trucking it out for a couple of months. Like it was just being hurt to the world blow. Like <laughs> like a year. Like yeah, like a solid year and a half. So I don't know that I didn't think I would have a cat. I wasn't really a cat person. I wasn't an animal person. I'm like, oh, you got a cute puppy. Like, so can I pet it? And that's it. And keep it pushing. But I didn't think I would have like a cat. But no, that. And then with the podcast. So, no, I don't think that my life is where I thought it would be at no, like, when I was not. younger. But I'm not disappointed. No. I'm not, I'm not really disappointed. I've been like, I take trips. Yeah, it's like yeah. I travel. I'm, I'm fancy cool or whatever. That. Yeah, you take a lot of trips, though. I'm like, you, you lows, like. Shitting on me with the trips. We got to schedule a double recording. For another trip? Yeah. Where are you going this time? Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Okay, never mind. I know about the Hawaii trips. That's cool. Oh, gosh. She's just dropping news like this on on both of us. I'm like, this is news to me. I'm like, we're going on vacation again? You're not taking me this time? I mean, you got a month to prepare, so. I just, I get, like, I don't even get souvenirs. She don't even bring me sand back. Like, what kind of friend are you? <laughs> you got a picture. We were just now, the last time I went to Hawaii, we were still only having, like, twice a year, <laughs> twice a year outings together. That is true. But still, you could have, you could have, you could have still had some sand. Like, it would have been a nice gift now if I would have got sand. You're like, I've been thinking about you all these times I went on vacation, <laughs> and I was just waiting for the day to give. Yeah, that would have been nice. <laughs> I got you. Next trip. Yeah. You know what? That question wasn't as hard as I think it would be to answer it, though. No. It was like, I think that was a pretty decent question. I, I started it off strong. <laughs> if I do say so myself. It really took... She gave me two pictures to pick these from. Yeah, we don't have the book yet. But so this week, I just sent Shelby a couple pages out of the book and told her to pick one. And it was... No, it was Next two week, pages. we're using the number generator. It was two pictures. And it took me one hour to pick a question. There were like forty questions in total, but it was so when the questions are so deep. The simple question: Have you ever made your own ice cream? But she wanted to go deep into life. I never made my own ice cream, so I knew the answer to that one. I was like, I can't talk about that. 
think about it when we had to do that science experiment. It was my birthday, so I had a teacher uh, give me hers. I quite honestly don't remember that. Oh, it was in Miss Brown class. I don't think you had her. I had but Ms. we had Brown. to for your birthday. Yeah, I was still in my We made class. ice cream and Probably I was like I she was like, You gotta make the ice cream to get an A and I was like, It's my birthday. Can you just give me the ice cream you made as the I example? Switched out of her class into that time I went to Hawaii. And nobody changed my schedule for me. Y'all just let me get my class changed and didn't say anything. Oh yeah, and then everybody woke we came in class and was like, Where's Leah? <laughs> Everyone was in that class lit. <laughs> it was lit. <laughs> it was a nice time. Thank you for listening to Crime in the Mid. You can find the transcript, pictures we've discussed, and the links to all of our references on our website at www.crimeinthemidden.com. There you can also find the links to our social media. If you have a case you'd like us to discuss, go to the go to the contact us page of the website and leave a suggestion. Each month we'll choose one of one suggestion for an episode.